Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell. I'm Mike Cordes. And I'm Lou Figaro. And welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where we talk about and review a rock album of our choice. This episode, we're going to review Twisted Sisters, 1982 debut album, Under the Blade. Rock and Mike, what's your Twisted Sisters story, and where do you come in with this particular album? So I come in with Stay Hungry. So when that came out, 84, I think, I was like 10 years old. So that was my exposure to Twisted Sister. Um, and ironically, as I got older and started getting to heavier stuff, it, Metallica is the reason I went back and dug up some of those old albums. Because in, in the liner notes, I'm a big liner note geek. And on the inside of Ride the Lightning, they thanked Twisted fucking Sister. And I distinctly remember having conversations with my friends going, wait a minute, Twisted is supposed to be what they're not. If they're thanking Twisted Sister, I have to do a deep dive. And then some of those cheesy ass uh, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll video came up on Headbangers Ball one time. And I was like, OK. And I went back and got the and got these records. So that that's how I got this one. Nice. Lou. I think the first time I heard Twisted Sister, it was at a buddy's band. They played a battle of the bands at a local roller rink um, in Brick, New Jersey. And they played Shoot 'Em Down. And they played Run For Your Life that night. Uh, I was about 15. So I liked those songs. So when it was uh, around the time that Under the Blade, I guess, was was just around that that time as well. And I wound up finding that and um, Rough Cuts, that EP, at a little surf shop record store down there. I liked them both right away. And although I found that the earlier you go in Twisted's career, the heavier, more aggressive they become. But that's that's where I'm in on it. So I guess, what, 82. Okay. Uh, I come in with Twisted Sister pretty much like you, Mike, with the funny-ass video for We're Not Gonna Take It. And that thing was played to death on MTV, along with I Want to Rock later on. So prior to that, I'd never heard of the band. And this was 84, right? Stay Hungry? So by then, I was a hair metal fanatic. And I was drawn to Twisted Sister like flies to shit. I got Stay Hungry on cassette and fucking loved it. And I stumbled across this album, And You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, when I was browsing at Strawberry's Record Store on North Street in Pittsfield, Mass. And I bought them both on site. Now, I didn't know this, but my version of Under the Blade was a remixed version of the album. Until way later on, I found out that there was an original version of it. And I never got a copy of it until, Mike, you gave it to me not that long ago. And, you know, with all those other albums and that hard drive that I still can't thank you enough for. But yeah, I've been a big fan of Twisted since 84. You know, it's funny. I didn't realize that the uh, version I grew up on was remix either. When I bought the reissue with the original mix, I was like, why did they change the cover? I had no idea that I was getting the original album until after I got it. I, yeah, it's a lot heavier. Mm -hmm. Now I'll give you some basic facts about this album, ripped straight from Wikipedia. Under the Blade is a debut studio album by American heavy metal band Twisted Sister, released on September 18th, 1982 on Secret Records. It was produced by Pete Way, Mark Mendoza, and Dee Snyder, and was recorded from July to August 1982 at The Barn, Kitchenham Farm, Ashburnham, England, with the RAK Mobile, as well as ICC Studios, Eastbourne, England, and Maison Rouge, London, England. It reached number 70 on the UK Albums Chart and has no certifications for albums sold. And here's the band's lineup card. We have D. Snyder on lead vocals, 
Eddie Fingers Ojeda on lead and rhythm guitar and backing vocals. J.J. French on rhythm and lead guitar and backing vocals. Mark the Animal Mendoza on bass and backing vocals. And A.J. Perro on drums and percussion. There are additional musicians which we'll mention as we see fit. And additionally, all tracks are written by D. Snyder. Okay, let's move on into a track-by-track analysis of this album. The opening track is What You Don't Know Sure Can Hurt You. Rockin' Mike, what do you think? This album could not have opened any other way. This is the perfect opening track. I mean, you, uh, Lou, you turning on a live at the Marquee Club, it, you know it's going to start the show. It's built to start the show. And Twisted Sister cut their teeth live for so many years. They knew how to start a show. That good evening, the evil laugh, welcome to our show. The song's just a runaway train going downhill that culminates with that gloriously sloppy solo. And D. Snyder's attitude is just like oozing out of Marshall Stacks. And then that break, how do you like it so far? Ain't we quite a show? That break isn't for the band. That break is for the audience trying to figure out what the <laughs> fuck they're seeing. Because they're coming out the gate, they're hitting you with it. And this is why they had to go to England, because the U.S. was not ready for this. Lou? But it's, this introduces the band here and on stage. You, it, it, that's it. The lights are out, smoke machines are running, guitar starts that palm-muted intro. Out of nowhere, the MC, the master of ceremonies, the grand poobah, D. Snyder, welcomes us. Good evening. Welcome to our show. He's seen it all, heard it all. He's sick of the typical dead weight in the back with their arms folded. They're here to break every stereotype there is. You think you've seen it all? You're sick of the same old song and dance? You won't get that here. What you don't know sure can hurt you. And that's what this band is. Dangerous. They're going to kick your ass and feed it to you, you fucking poser. Don't fuck with Twisted Sister. They may look pretty, but they're going to eat you alive after they beat the shit out of you. They say that one of the most dangerous animals is a hungry one. Well, these guys are starving. And they're ready to eat you alive. Awesome intro. Awesome band. So the first thing we hear is fast palm muted notes. You said that, Lou. That sounds like a distant chugging train. And then we get the simple chopped off main riff that forms the basis of the song. The track builds up with D. Snyder's vocals, and finally the entire band tears into the song and it comes on hard, fast, and powerful. This band really does have its own sound. J.J. French and Eddie Fingers Ojeda's guitars are dirty and they sound like buzzing chainsaws. While Ojeda's solo, though not flashy, like you said, Mike, gets the job done and it fits the music perfectly. 
AJ Peril bashes the simple but driving drums. Mark the Animal Mendoza's bass supports the rhythm and is the tune's backbone. And then, of course, we have Dee Snyder's vocals, and he has a distinctive voice. He's more of a belter than a singer, but like, say, a vocalist like David Lee Roth or Bon Scott. What he lacks in finesse, he makes up for in attitude and just pure rock star charisma. This is basic, primal, hard rock. There's no pretensions to complexity or musical sophistication. This music is meant to punch you in the gut because they know you like it rough. The lyrics aren't deep. Snyder's bragging about his band, how badass they are, and if you're irritated by them, all the better. These guys are like no one else, and they won't be gentle. Is this hard rock? Is this glam metal? Is this pop metal? All right. I call it kick-ass rock and roll, and it's a nice opening shot to announce Twisted Sister's arrival. The next track is Bad Boys of Rock and Roll. So we your thoughts this is straight up rock and roll with a fuck ton of distortion and snotty attitude they don't give a shit what you think and they're gonna rock the fuck out of you no matter how cool you think you are just standing there with your arms folded this is a common theme with these guys they want you up on your feet and yelling and screaming fist pumping all the way through their show they don't want stoic hard guys standing in the back they want people going nuts another great tune rock and mike this is almost like a metal malt shop song. Like, you know, you can see down the line when they do leader of the pack. That's great. You know, you can <laughs> see that here. I mean, you really can. It works for them. But honestly, we come out of the one of the best opening tracks for me of all time into this. So lyrically, it continues the theme, but musically, it's a bit rough for me. Uh, the melodic lead doesn't work for me too much. Lyrically, yes. Um, I even like the solo, but I think it's due to the production. I don't think it's due to the song itself because I'll take that live at the marquee version any day and I'll take it over this one because you can hear the rhythm guitar a little bit more and the bass is more prominent. And in the marquee club version, D sings, if you don't like it, fuck you. Well, if I have to take one off, I have to take this one off. So this is Mike's unimpressed fluffy fuckery. (laughs) (laughs) Perro's drum intro ushers in another thumping rocker with a high-pitched melodic guitar line over the top. Again, the band emphasizes simplicity. They're here to rock your ass off with simple chords, pop songwriting structures, uncomplicated melodic leads, and sing-along choruses. Snyder sneers the vocals, and lyrically it's more or less the same as the first track. The band knows they're annoying. They know they're offensive, but those are your hang-ups. They don't care about that shit. They're bad boys. But how bad are they really when they're only here to set you free with their music? Yeah, bad boys is a cliche. Tons of songs use the phrase, but I'll be fucked if I don't sing along with the boys on that chorus. Sue me. The following track is Run For Your Life.
Mike, what do you say? So it's melancholy, reflective, and downright sinister. We hear the narrator break, and he makes the decision to cut the bitch down. But once he does, the song really opens up to a straight riff rocker. The riff really connects the two parts with the anthemic, run for your life. As you hear that riff, you can picture these pimply-faced, awkward teenage boys with their fists in the air. They're all singing along about cutting the bitch down. Um, it's, it's a winner for me. Lou? Well, as heavy as it is, these guys are firmly planted in the 60s. And here's the slow ballad intro. Dee, the storyteller, kneels down to the front row and crooms out the first verse. Sets the stage for our hero, looking in the mirror, questioning the faithfulness of the object of his affection. Then the band crashes in and lets us in on his woes with his shitty girlfriend. She played with his head, misused his trust. Now he's pissed as a snake and he's going to fucking kill her. She better run for her life. So much for the heavy metal love ballads. That's the reason I love this band so much. They're fucking awesome. Thing about Twisted Sister is they've got an evil side to them, a dark edge that they like to explore. And it's reflected in the music as it begins slow and menacing. Those grimy guitar tones are so suited for the vibe with the bass slow and plodding. And when the palm muted riffs kick in and the music shifts into overdrive, everyone picks up the pace and the track hurdles ahead like a serial killer chasing after his terrified victim. A.J. Perro has some thunderous fills that rattle your skull, and Ojeda's lead break is a fast and chaotic screamer. Snyder is a well-known big fan of horror novels and movies, and it often came through in his lyrics. And this is about a guy who feels he's been wronged by a girl, and he's going to make her pay. He's after her, and she better run for her life. This shows the band can vary the themes and textures of the music, and I dig the shit out of it. The next track is Sin After Sin. off here we go the 80s satanic panic he's giving it to you straight you're going down an evil path little by little your soul is consumed one sin after the other satan's got his hot little hands around you and now you just can't get ahead you thought you had time to straighten it all out but now it's too late and satan's gonna drag you right down to hell no repent no salvation Open up your eyes, see the evil that you do before it's too late. Thanks for the warning, D. But all my friends are already down there. Mike. I I read that this is a plotting nod to Judas Priest. So the Sin After Sin title was kind of kind of fitting. But if I didn't read that, I never would have heard that on my own. So I'm not quite sure where that particular reviewer came up with that. That being said, there's a lot of space in the verses uh, where they just let those chords ring out and then they connect it with some of that melodic lead work. The solo's okay, and it's a good album track. But again, the Live at Marquee Club version is better. <laughs> this continues the twisted formula. Now, you might think that the band is kind of repeating themselves, and that's actually a fair criticism. They have a lane that they mostly stick to, and they don't often stray from it. 
But that lane's exactly where we want to travel with them, right, ACDC fans? Because whenever they do veer off, it really doesn't work. <coughs> Leader of the pack. <coughs> and no one wants that <laughs> shit. I will say that Ojeda's solo is ripping on this one. He's getting a bit flurious. And I have to crack up whenever I hear that cartoonish, I can't even tell if D is winking at us or if he's really trying to sound scary. And lyrically, Snyder warns of the devil's influence on you. You've done all these terrible things, broken all the rules. You've been living a lie, all under the guise of respectability. And Snyder advises you to repent before it's too late to escape eternal damnation. This isn't a standout track for me, but I'll still take it. It's a decent album track. The following track is Shoot 'em Down. How about this one, Mike? Oh, my fucking God, do I love the unholy hell out of this song. And I have for decades. I just, I can't, I gush about this song when I hear it. Top five Twisted Sister songs of all time. Probably number three. Uh, The other two come off of uh, Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Like, we're going to make it, uh, like, they've got some great, great ones. But this song is awesome. And I totally misinterpreted the lyrics when I was a kid when I first heard it. Um, I always saw it from the point of view of someone who was picked on. And at 14 and 15, I wanted to wipe out most of those dickheads I went to school without. So this I kind of owned it for that. The mix on this, though, is very much in the red. The snare has a weird pop to it. The solo provides some melody to D's anger, but it's the lyrics and attitude that drive it home. He punctuates his lines, uh, the way he punctuates them at the end, along with the drums, they marry up. I like that. And the way he drags out anything that ends in that ER sound, like motivata and mastabata. The entire third verse out of the solo is the stuff of teenage angst and revenge. When I listen to this, I'm dreaming of revenge all over again, and I'm screaming along. (laughs) This is my favorite song on the record. Lou. This is the first song I ever heard by these guys. And uh, I prefer the rough cuts version, actually. It's a little heavier. It's a little more snotty. But uh, this one's no, definitely no slouch either. Um, great, simple riff. Catchy as fuck chorus. These talking about the hot girls that revel in fucking with guys' minds. Make them think that they got a chance, but then cutting them down to size when they show some interest. But then he flips the script and powers the suitor. When she turns him down, he blows her fucking head off with a gun. Nice guy. <laughs> I can see where the motivation comes from. Song would never fly nowadays, though. But back in the innocent early 80s, it was more than common. Good times. Great fucking song. Love this fucking song. Did I mention ACDC before? The story goes that D. Snyder was talking to Angus Young, and Angus told him that if you want to write a song accessible to everyone, just take a 4-4 beat and kick ass. So D. went and wrote this. Everything about this screams ACDC to me, from the basic chord structures and primal drum beat to the bluesy rock solo and fills, and even Snyder's delivery is very Bon Scott-esque, though Bon actually probably would have done better with this. 
The lyrics are about rich, pretty, stuck-up people who think they're superior to everyone else and enjoy stepping on the little people beneath them. Snyder says, fuck them. Shoot them down to the ground. I like you, Mike. I love the line. Like caviar or fine foreign car. He's a motivator. Dressed to the T's, they're down on their knees. He's a master beta. Despite the obvious ACDC influence, I see this song as Twisted Sisters' homage to their heroes. And this song is a catchy as fuck earworm. Mission accomplished. And, uh, and it was covered by Motorhead. That says all you need to know. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on Destroyer. Lou, how about this one? Well, it's a heavy riff. The mood's like a, of a battle tank group coming over that far hill and the fear you feel as they break out on the horizon. Dee's talking about a monster strikes fear in a sinner's heart. He's uh, really a holy roller on this album. <laughs> <laughs> coming to town, he's going to kick your ass. Great slower tune, let the guys catch their breath during the live show. On that marquee club, this one's a head-banging, fist-throwing, stage-punching, scream-along. You better stay out of his way. He's gonna kick your ass. Awesome tune. Rockin' Mike. So we, we get that opening with the Darth Vader breathing. That little... <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but you've got the... Uh, it's, it's got the Darth Vader breathing. You've got these cavernous-sounding drums... And it's just gloriously evil. It's a chugging, doomy fucking track. The easily chantable destroyer. They just drag it out and a subdued solo. I thought it was a good choice to push the solo back in the mix a little bit because you got to leave that slow chug up front. That chug is the meat and potatoes of the song. So they didn't they didn't drop it. I thought that was a good choice. So uh, kudos to Pete Way on that one. And Lou, like you said, it's a cool way to slow down the live action without a ballad. So. It's a winner for me. The band gets evil again. And to me, this comes across as like Twisted Sisters version of Iron Man by Black Sabbath. The vibe is all doom and gloom. The tempo is deliberately slow and trudging. The rhythm guitars are sludgy and the drums pound with emphasis on the thick tom fills. The solo is a contrast. It's another face melter that starts with long, sustained notes, and then it evolves into fast note clusters. But it works because the tone is so higher-pitched, it sounds like the populace running in terror from the Destroyer. And the Destroyer has come to pass judgment, a metal angel of death who will spare the good and smite the wicked. And Snyder gives the vocals the proper gravitas the Destroyer requires as his mouthpiece. The last verse has a low harmony added to it also that sounds really cool. I dig the ascending chords that end the track, and I've always dug this one. Destroyer! The next track is the title track, Under the Blade.
Mike, what do you say? Ah, Tipper Gore's favorite Twisted Sister song. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's not my fault Mrs. Gore has a dirty mind. It's another ominous rocker that starts with that rhythmic chug and the lead fades up, which I thought was a cool little uh, trick. Not really a trick, but a, a technique they used. I always dug that. For me, the break after the solo is the heart of the song, though. And then D comes back to bring us another verse. But the scream four minutes in, that scream is awesome. And to me, and, it's, and I never really thought it until I was writing notes, it sounds like he's trying to do an evil version of Steven Tyler's. <laughs> that's yeah. like, that's how I heard it. But Steven never sounded that evil. Um, and then the solo <laughs> takes us to the punctuated ending. This is just a twisted classic. Lou. Palm muted shuffle starts this up tempo banger. Again, D sets the stage with horror. Murder, murder imagery in the lyrics sounds like that the hero is like the subject of serial killer's obsession. But in all actuality, and right here in my notes, it says, sorry, Tipper Gore. Yeah. It's about J.J. Nice. French having oral surgery and D's attempt to take the piss out of him. A.J. Perro's symbol grabs as the band bashes back in again is like a punch down in a bar fight. It makes you punch the air and jump out of your fucking boots. I'm a sick motherfucker. Here's the perfect example of that unbridled aggression and hunger that this band had. This is a great fucking tune. Lou is an SMF. I'm a sick motherfucker. I'm a chicken, huh? And you're a chicken. I'll say, I'll say, boy. Scratchy palm muted chords remind me of the opening track, and then it turns into a heavy rocker that very much at first resembles The Ripper by Judas Priest. From the churning muted riffs to the descending fill pattern to Snyder's vocal melody, it's very similar and it feels deliberate considering the song's subject matter. These twisted guitar tones are dirtier than Priest, though, and it gives this song a scuzzy, dangerous underbelly when A.J. Perra pushes the tempo faster. This has a greater sense of urgency, and once it takes off, it leaves the ripper behind. Once again, the solo throws melody out the window and goes full-on shred, and the lyrics are about the fear of knives and blades, from the scalpel in a doctor's hand to a mugger in an alleyway to a sadistic serial killer with his tied-up victim. In all scenarios, the victim is trapped and must accept the blade. I don't believe for a second what Snyder told Congress when it was about, give me a fucking break. I love it, though. It's great. It's great. Like you said, Mike, Snyder gets off some hellacious screams in this track, and fuck yeah, this one kicks ass. And like we were saying, this track was brought up by Tipper Gore in 1985 at the PMRC censorship hearings at the United States Congress for its references to sadomasochism, bondage, and rape, promoting violence. And D. Snyder put her in her place, telling her it was all in her mind. This was the only single from the album that did not chart. The penultimate track is Tear It Loose. What do you think of this, Lou? 
AJ Perro starts this off with a drum solo here and also in concert. This is where his solo goes. Again, here's the rallying cry to get the audience out of their fucking seat and going friggin' insane. He's pulling on the heartstrings of the listener, egging on his frustrations about how nine to five, you're in your little compartmental box. But when you go out to party, he wants you to tear it fucking loose and go fucking nuts. Don't quit. Keep going. Rock your fucking heart out when they let you out of your fucking cage. Hell yeah, D. I'm on board. Another great tune. Tear it fucking loose, baby. Live. Marquee Club. 82. Amazing. Mike. I don't know. Have you guys seen the documentary We Are Twisted Fucking Sister? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I love that movie. But the scene in particular when he's on stage just on TV taking the makeup off, you know, that whole part if, for anybody listening, if you haven't seen that, you need to see the documentary, particularly that that part in particular, because it's that's the part where it was his that was make or break for them at that point, And he had to. And this song illustrates that action. I think it's. AJ, as you said, AJ Perro brings us in uh, another anthem. His drums sound great about being a frustrated rocker. I had heard one time, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that during the Stay Hungry era, he, that he used to hang a cowbell inside his bass drum to give it a weird extra noise. And I definitely do not hear it. I do not. I do not hear it on this one. But the left solo is JJ. The right solo, Fast Eddie Clark from Motorhead. And um, I can't help but think because it was produced by Pete Way. You know, they had the whole Fast Way connection there. But what I really like is that while those two are soloing, they leave the rest of the band up in the mix. Uh, and the line in the song that brings me back to that movie, I'm going to live my dream, shout and scream. This is just another classic song. A fast, busy drum fill kicks this one off, and it heralds a speed metal-influenced rocker that races along with a speedy rhythm section, long drawn-out chords, and a typically big chorus with big gang vocals. Lyrically, it's about a guy who slaves away in the rat race all week in the office, and he needs to let off some steam. He's going to cruise around in his car and take the night by storm, looking for some action and not stopping until he gets some satisfaction. This tune is the Hair Metal 101 Blueprint, and Twisted Sister is going to lead the charge. And that brings us to the final track, Day of the Rocker. How about this last one, Rockin' Mike? So where Destroyer was plotting in Doomy, this is a metaled-up blues track with an anthemic shout-along chorus. You have Eddie Ojeda back again with an almost a full minute-long solo with some beautiful bends that almost reach dog whistle territory when he tweaks them up there. But for me, five minutes and they're ending the album with this, this is the great way to end the album. I'm loving it. Lou? It's a groovy closer. Call and response verse lines between D and the guitars. Gets to use that operatic theater voice of his. Jeez, he's got some big bellows for lungs. Eddie gives us a bluesy solo, and he gives it to us with feeling. The song hits different than the rest. It's still got that same gang feel to it, though. Unusual choice for an album closer, but I'll take it. It's definitely got that singer in the spotlight on a dark stage. 
somehow this kind of feels unfinished though. I'm not saying I'm skipping it, but it's not as strong as the rest of the record. You know, I get the appeal of the blues to rock artists. It gives a good excuse to slow things down, and it has the old devil's music connotations to it. But man, it seemed like every pop, rock, glam, metal, hair metal outfit had to have a track or two like these on their albums. But some bands pulled it off well and some bands didn't. And this doesn't land well for me. First off, Perro's drums don't swing like they should. He's too stiff on the shuffle. The guitars and bass kind of go through the motions and the solo, while competent, it's basic shit that all rock guitarists do fairly early on when they learn how to solo. Ojeda doesn't bring enough personality to it. Anybody worth his salt can do this. And Dee Snyder cannot sing the blues. Holy fuck, is he a fish out of water here. <laughs> the lyrics are familiar territory, too. Twisted Sister's going to show the world how badass they are. Their fans are growing in numbers, and the band is ready to take the power and rule the world. The only thing I will say is that the repeated rock, rock, rock refrain will show up again to much greater effect in this band's future. This should not have been the final track. If they had to leave it on the album, they should have switched this with Tear It Loose and make that song the closer. Nope. Total misfire. It's Aaron's Stinky Stinker. Now that the track by track is finished, we'll move into our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0 to 5 system, with 5 being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a 0, which fell under the blade and got sliced to ribbons. Rock and Mike, give us your final thoughts on Under the Blade. So as I said at the beginning, when I first got into Twisted Sister, it was Stay Hungry. And when you're 10 years old, they seem really evil when you're watching that. As you get older and you start branching out in your musical choices, you're realizing that they were really cartoony at that point. And then at that point, now you're, you've got Come Out and Play. And then you're into Love is for Suckers, which is a completely different animal altogether. So when I saw in Ride the Lightning, as I said, that they thanked Twisted Fucking Sister, I knew I had to go back. And I was glad I did because Tom Worman completely neutered them on Stay Hungry. And like I said, they became a cartoon of themselves. But fuck, they're underrated. They are such an underrated band. They have Lemmy-sized attitude, riffs galore, and they just punctuate this album. I came in way too late to the Twisted Sister party due to my age. Uh, I wish I was able to get in earlier. I give this a 3.75. Lou. In 1983, I was a confused individual. I I didn't fit in well with the popular kids at school. I wasn't good at sports, and I was not a good student. So I fell in with the metalheads. And Twisted Sister was a band that I could identify with. They they had all the frustrations of being outcasts, and but they were aggressive as fuck and didn't take shit from anyone. I heard Shoot Him Down, I bought Rough Cuts in this record, I hunted down the live recordings from WBAB on Long Island and EPs with live cuts on them, and they were, they were fucking hysterical live. These 20-minute raps getting the audience to go absolutely batshit crazy, jumping, fist-throwing, screaming, I'm a sick motherfucker at the top of their lungs. I was in. Where do I sign? I've got so many damaged cervicals to this day from banging my fucking head so hard. I got whiplash again and again. I, I give this album a solid four and three quarters. It's one of my favorite records. And I'd put these guys up with the best of the year. 82 at this point in their career, they were unstoppable despite the record company's disdain for them. They drove me underground and I wound up seeking more and more underground metal. And I thank them for that. 
1981, Twisted Sister had been around for nearly a decade, had gone through a head-spinning number of lineup changes, and had morphed from being a glammed-up New Jersey version of the New York Dolls to a cross-dressing heavy metal band that become so popular in the tri-state area, they were selling out huge halls without the benefit of a recording contract or radio airplay. The band solidified its classic lineup with the addition of A.J. Perro in April 1982 and put out two singles on its own independent label that reached the U.K. and caught the attention of Martin Hooker, the president of indie punk rock label Secret Records. On the advice of two reporters from Sounds and Kerrang! magazines, Twisted Sister left New York and flew to the U.K., where they were signed by Secret Records and put out their first EP, Rough Cuts, which featured their previous drummer, Tony Petrie. The band then entered the studio with producer Pete Way from UFO and Fastway and cut their first LP, Under the Blade, which became an underground hit in the UK and led them to landing a slot opening for Motorhead. After an appearance on the music television program The Tube, Twisted Sister was finally approached by and signed to a major label, Atlantic Records. By the time I discovered Twisted Sister, I had already cut my teeth on theatrical hard rock acts like Kiss and Van Halen and was diving headfirst into the glam metal scene that was taking over the L.A. Sunset Strip. So Twisted wasn't jarring to me at all. Their glammy image was borderline humorous, and I was drawn to the raw, almost primitive sound of the band with their snarling guitars and anthemic hooks. When I first got Under the Blade, it was the remixed 85 version, which added then-modern, slicker production to the songs, especially the drums. And it sweetened the sound for the new fans like me that came aboard with the band through Stay Hungry. But hearing the original mix of the record, I'm struck by how raw and heavy it sounds. I mean, sure, you could call this lo-fi production quality, but it really brings out the buzz in the chainsaw guitars and highlights a raw immediacy to these tunes that the remix doesn't convey to the listener. Now, you can dismiss Twisted Sister as derivative and primitive, and you might say that D. Snyder's big mouth can be annoying as fuck at times, and you'd have some valid points there. The band wore its influences, both visual and musical, right on its sleeve, and nothing they did was truly original in the strictest sense. But the band members had charisma on stage, especially Dee Snyder, and I've always thought of the group as one hell of a kick-ass rock and roll bar band. They're fun, they didn't take themselves too seriously, and they just aimed to kick your ass and get your fists pumping in the air to their rocking tunes. And they did that just about as well as anyone at the time. I give Under the Blade a four, and I'd recommend this album to any fan of hard rock, glam metal, hair metal, whatever the fuck you want to call it, it don't matter. Twisted Sister Wanna Rock. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast on all the podcasting platforms wherever you listen to them. If you like what you hear, please subscribe or follow the podcast and leave us a review. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com or also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast. We're also on Twitter at R4PodcastAaron and Instagram under R4Podcaster. If you feel the podcast has value and would like to make a contribution to support it, please head over to Patreon and the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews page and sign up on one of the monthly tiers. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for the R4Podcast, I'm Aaron. I'm Mike. And I'm a sick motherfucker. You're committing sinatism. It's not my fault Mrs. Gore has a dirty mind. (laughs) Yeah.
um, I reviewed the wrong song. I thought you might. I thought you did. Which one did you review? Run for your life. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna you wanna go back and do it? Let's you, do you, it. You got Sorry to. About that, you got to. <laughs> all right, all right. Let, let me cue you in. Lou, your thoughts. We hear the narrator break and make the decision to cut the bitch down. But one, uh, oh, sorry. Hang on one sec. He makes the decision to cut the bitch down, but he does a, what the hell did I write? Sorry, <laughs> hang on one second. <laughs> what the hell is that word? Okay. Listen. All right. I'm going to start over. Okay. Redo. 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 Take, Take two. two. The next track is Sin After Sin. It was hard for me not to go Sin After Sin. 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 Sin.